So we're in this new series called New Beginnings. And so I, I started this series off last week, and we started looking at this issue of, of new beginnings and what does it mean to be a Christian, what does it mean to be a new creation. And for me, I've shared with many of you this verse that we're going to look at, our theme verse, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, was one of those verses that was just life-changing for me in the Christian life. There were some things that I struggled with, there were some things that I didn't understand, but when I understood this verse and how it applied to my life, everything changed in my spiritual life. So here it is, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. This is what the scripture says. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, in other words, if anyone is a believer, if anyone is a Christian, and listen, a lot of religious people, when they read this verse, they say, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, uh, he goes to church, he gets baptized, he serves, he gives, and all of those things are good. But that's not really where it starts. See, it's a little bit different than that. It's not exactly what he says. He says this, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, guess what? He is a new creation. The old is passed away. In other words, the junk and the stuff from the past, your old way of life, all of that stuff, that's gone. It, is, it has been um, forgiven. It, it, is, it is gone. And then all of a sudden he goes, behold, a new life has come. In other words, there's new meaning. There's new purpose. And so this series is not really about external change as much as it is about internal change. See, what happens to a lot of people, even believers, is they focus on the habits and not on God. They focus more on the external, hoping that if I change some external stuff, it'll get to the real me. Or if I change enough external, if I change enough habits, then all of a sudden it will make me a better person. But here's what the Scripture teaches. The Scripture teaches something totally opposite. The Scripture says this. The Scripture says it starts with internal change. And when there's an internal change, it affects the external. It affects the habits. It affects everything about our life. And so what Paul says is this. Paul says, guess what? When you're a Christian, when you're a believer, a new life has come. The old, the old is gone. The old is passed away. And so the reason that I've done this series, one, is I'm just so passionate about believers understanding this concept because I am praying that some of you truly get set free this morning, that some of you truly understand. And for many of you, a light comes on about this issue, about how change really happens in the process. But one of the reasons that I, I schedule this series for this time of the year is because this time of the year is when people are... They're more open to change than any time in their, of the year because of, of New Year's resolutions, whether they, they want to make new commitments, whether they have new dreams, or whether there's some things that they want to change in their life. But the greatest thing that you can understand is this, is the greatest change that you can make is not by focusing on the external, the habits, whether it's schedules and finances and spending and, and eating and exercising. All of those may be important, but by focusing on the internal. Because when you and I make the right changes internally, it naturally affects the habits. It naturally affects your priorities. It naturally affects uh, spending. It naturally affects the way you handle your resources and finances and your time and your priorities and all of those other things. When there is a change internally, it affects the external. And that's why I think so many people struggle with New Year's resolutions. And they make all these New Year's resolutions, and, and, and they're focusing on the habits. And by February, we know this from statistics, by February, most people have broken every one of their New Year's resolutions. Because here's what happens. You realize 
you don't have the power to continue it. It'll wear you out focusing on the habits and the external without making any changes internally. And so I, I, I believe this. You wouldn't be here this morning if you did not want to reach all God has for you in your life. You wouldn't set aside an hour on the weekend. You wouldn't drive here and find your seat and all those other things. If you truly did not want to, in 2014, reach all that God has dreamed for you or for your life. And my commitment or my challenge to you is this. What if? What if this year we just focused on the internal? What if this year if we just made a commitment and said, you know what? 2014, I want it to be my best year spiritually. I'm telling you, if it is your best year spiritually, it'll be your best year. Regardless of your situations, regardless of your circumstances, regardless of the things that you walk through. Because here's the deal. Your spiritual life has the ability to affect the external. Your spiritual life has the ability to affect your, your finances, your spending, your eating, your exercise, your priorities, your schedules, all of those things. When you and I understand there is a connection, and we're going to see this play it out in Scripture as we look at this, that there is a connection between your spiritual life and your physical life. And most of us start out a new year and we, we have things that we want to change externally. Whether we want to lose weight or exercise more or get healthier or eat better and, and all of those are, are short-lived. You may even have areas in your life that may not relate to weight or health, but your body's out of control. In other words, your body is leading you instead of you leading your body. In other words, as the scriptures would teach, your flesh is leading you. And I'm telling you this, this morning, I, if we could grasp these scriptures, if we could grasp what Paul talks about, it could literally change your spiritual life. See, typically when a person becomes a Christian, everything starts going great. There's this, there's this new life that has begun, and there's this joy, and there's this peace, and they're on fire, and they're excited, and all these other things. But after a while, you have struggles. You go through circumstances. You go through difficulty. And you start experiencing problems again, and, or the old habits begin to start coming back. And That's when new Christians can get discouraged and start saying things, saying things like, I thought I was done with this. I didn't think I'd have to deal with this as a Christian. I thought that was over. I thought that was gone. I didn't think, and now it's coming back. And so some new Christians can get so discouraged. They say, if I'm still dealing with this, I don't know if I'm a Christian. And, and all of a sudden, many will start uh, uh, doubting their, their, uh, their salvation. And, and, and many new believers say, you know, I'm just so frustrated because I want to do what's right. I want to live for God, and I want to please God. But somehow I make decisions that are completely opposite of that. And I don't, I don't understand that, and I don't get this. And In other words, I know, I know what God wants me to do. I know the right that he wants me to do. And I know the wrong that he doesn't want me to do. But here's a crazy deal. Sometimes I feel powerless. Sometimes I feel like I do the wrong that I say I'm not going to do and I don't want to do, even though I know what God wants me to do. And let me tell you something. And I'm telling you, in a few minutes, we're, we're going to swim in the deep end of the pool this morning. 
When you become a believer, there's a civil war going on inside of you. We're going to understand that. Romans chapter 7, Galatians chapter 5 is where we're headed as we look at this. I was explaining this, this, this principle one time to a, to a man who was a fairly new Christian. And I was explaining the, the civil war inside of you and that you have two natures, the old nature and the new nature. We'll understand what that means. And he says, well, you know what I feel like? I feel like as a new Christian, in the struggles I have, I feel like there's two me's inside of me. That's theologically correct. There's a civil war that battles inside of every one of us. The flesh or the old nature in the spirit. Two principles this morning for you as we walk through this, as we try to make sense of this, as we try to understand this. The first thing is this. Your will is powerless to change your old nature. Your will is powerless to change your old nature. Your will is powerless to change the flesh. In other words, what, what Paul says, Romans chapter 7, that when you become a believer, that all of a sudden you have two natures, the old nature and the new nature, the flesh and the spirit. Fact is, the Bible tells us in Ephesians and 2 Corinthians and Galatians, all through the New Testament, fact is, that when you become a Christian, you get this new nature, that this new life has begun, this new life has started, and the new nature wants to do what is right, and the new nature wants to please God and live for God and all of those other things, and the old nature wants to sin and wants to do things that are, that are wrong and the new nature wants to please God and the old nature wants to do exactly the opposite. And, and see, when, when you become a believer, it doesn't just get rid of the old nature. In other words, you have two natures in your life. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. Here's what the scripture says. But he says, but I say, walk by the Spirit. And so here's a promise. And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. In other words, if you'll just walk by the Spirit, if you'll walk in the Spirit and not in the flesh, guess what? You're not going to gratify the desires of the flesh. So here we go about the civil war. Let's just prove that out in Scripture. Verse 17, for the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. And the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to one another in conflict. For these are opposed to each other. To keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. And so in other words, what Paul is saying is in the life of a believer, there is a civil war that goes on inside of you. And they're opposed to one another. They're in conflict to one another. But Paul says, but guess what? If, if you'll just be led by the Spirit, you will not satisfy the desires of the flesh. And I'm telling you, with the flesh, see, there's a lot of people that think with the body and the external and the flesh that you can do some New Year's resolutions and it'll take care of it. I'm telling you, you are powerless against your flesh. You cannot will it to change. You, not, you cannot discipline it to change. You cannot whip it into shape. You don't have the power to will it or to make it change. And there's two natures inside of every believer the new nature and the old nature. I'm telling you, too many, listen, too many Christians live life by the flesh. Too many Christians live life by emotions. And they live life by the flesh and they live life by emotions. And here's the crazy deal. The flesh always wants to get satisfied, but it's never satisfied. Let me, let's go deeper. 
If you live your life as a believer by the flesh, by emotions, it'll destroy your life. It's just what Scripture says. If you live your life in such a way that you're driven by emotions and you're driven by the flesh, it will destroy your self-esteem because you'll end up doing things that you don't want to do, you've committed not to do. It'll destroy your self-esteem. It'll destroy the way you look at yourself, the way you feel about yourself. See, the flesh just wants to be satisfied, but it's never satisfied. Can, can I just press in just a little bit deeper and just personal? Because I've dealt with shame uh, in, my, in my Christian life. Shame. corrodes, destroys the, be- the very part of you that thinks you're capable of change. You know what shame does in the life of the believer? Shame tells you you can't change. Shame tells you you're worthless. Shame tells you you're stuck, you can't change, there's nothing you can do. See, it, 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 here, here's something that was freedom for me. Paul dealt with this. Watch this. Uh, Romans chapter 7, verse 19. Paul's describing the, the, the stress in his life. And he says, For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now if I do what I, I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. And so you know what Paul said, if we can just paraphrase that, if we can just kind of uh, translate that a little bit here this morning. Paul's saying this. Paul is saying, it is impossible for me to get the external in control when the internal is out of order. It is impossible to me to change the habits. It is impossible to me to change the things I say or change the things that I do if the spiritual me if the internal is out of order. And so he's going, it's like sin living in me. And then he goes on and you see the depth of his grief, the depth of his pain. Verse 24, he says, wretched man that I am. I mean, that word wretched, that like means worthless. Who will deliver me from this body? It's like someone saying, you know what? I hate myself. I hate the way I'm living. I hate the choices that I'm making. I'm, I'm hating these choices that I make that I really don't want to make. And then I got all these con, uh, consequences and I got all these problems. And I just, I, just, I just hate myself. I hate it when like anger takes over and I hurt people and I betray people and I say things. I hate it when lust takes over in my life. I hate it when I overspend and all these consequences. I hate it when I look at porn. I hate it when I overeat. I hate it when I lie. I hate it when I gossip. I hate it when I have a critical spirit and I just speak into someone's life and I hurt them and I destroy them. I just hate it. How do, in other words, what we're asking, how do I get over this? See, that's what Paul is asking. I'm living life in the flesh. And I'm telling you, when you live life in the flesh, when your body is in charge, you're going to, it'll destroy you. So what's the solution? Because some of you are like, Charlie, this isn't good news. I mean, we came here this morning to be encouraged. This is kind of depressing. You're exactly right. So what, is there any good news? What is the victory? What is the good news? Second principle is this. The only deliverance is through the power of Jesus Christ. 
That's the good news. The only deliverance. Listen, you can't will the old nature into shape. You can't discipline the old nature into shape. You can't whip it into any of that. The only deliverance is through the power of Jesus Christ. That's why in Galatians 5.16, he says, he said, but I say walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Now listen, I'm type A. And this verse was kind of just leave that up there for a second. And so, so I, when I first read this verse, I thought, that is strange. Because you know how a type A person will read that verse? But I say, work harder. Read more scripture. Go to church more. Get your life organized. Get your life disciplined. But you know what that's doing? That's focusing on the externals. Here, here's what Paul says. You want to get your flesh? You want to get your body in charge, in order? Walk by the Spirit. Because there's a spiritual connection. There's a connection between the spiritual and the physical. See, a person that is truly controlled by the Spirit lives a life of, of peace and lives a life of joy regardless of the circumstance situation. A person that lives life by the flesh and the body lives a life of hurt and pain and destruction regardless of the circumstances. I'm telling you, you as a believer, if you're living your life in your flesh, your body is in charge, it will destroy you. You just need to know this this morning. As a believer, you have an enemy who cannot take your salvation, who cannot keep you out of heaven, but you have an enemy, and his desire is to rob you of joy and of peace and life because he knows he can't take your salvation, he can't take heaven, he cannot take any of that away from you. But if he robs you of your joy and your peace and life, you will never live for God. You will live a life so discouraged where shame is just, just destroying you that you will never ever be able to live for him. Listen, Paul says, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12, he says, all things are lawful for me. But not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me. Here's a huge statement that some of us this morning, we need to underline this, we need to memorize this scripture, and we need to commit to this. But I will not be enslaved or dominated by anything. In the Greek, that word enslaved literally means to be chained to, to be controlled. Maybe the word we'd understand best to be in bondage to. When you're in bondage to your flesh, when you're in bondage to your emotions, when that's how you make decisions in life, it's just not based upon principles and it's not based upon principles out of Scripture. You're in bondage to your your flesh. See, the Bible tells us that we're to, to live a life as believers in such a way that we let our light shine before men so that they may see our, our good works. And the fact is, God always intended us as believers to be ambassadors for, for Christ, and we're supposed to live our lives in such a way that we represent Him and we, we're ambassadors of Him. So People can see him through us. 
Now listen, let me just tell you, as a pastor, it motivates me to know that you're always watching me. I, I can't go anywhere in Pueblo, whether you come up and talk to me or not, but I cannot go anywhere in Pueblo without someone watching me or recognizing me or knowing who I am. And honestly, that motivates me. I mean, there was a time here a while back that I was, I was running late, and I ran into a hamburger uh, fast food restaurant, and, and I got a hamburger. I ordered hamburger fries and a Coke, and I got my tray, and I, it was crowded, and I, I went over and found a seat, and I, I didn't have long, and, and I unwrap, you know, my burger. And it, it's not what I ordered, and, I'm, and you know what? I'm tired, and that's an excuse. I was, it was flash, and so, so I was mad. I mean, how can you get the order wrong? It was easy. You just, say, you just say the number, and then you just match the number to the stuff. It cannot be that hard. And so, so I got my tray. I started making my way up to the, to the counter. And as I'm getting there, and I'm thinking, you know, you know how you, well, maybe not. This is how I do. I'm thinking what I'm going to tell them and how I'm going to communicate my disappointment to them. And so I'm walking up, and this, this little high school girl braces, you know, cute. She looks at me, and she says, oh, Pastor Charlie, are you coming to say hi to me? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I was coming to say hi and tell you what a great job you're doing. And thanks for the fish sandwich, you know? Oh, it's my favorite. She didn't even get it. And so I, I went back and I ate my fish sandwich and went on. <laughs> so listen, it motivates me to have this awareness that I'm to let my light shine before men and people are watching me. And guess what? Can I tell you this as a believer? Whether you realize it or not, people are watching you. When you say you're a believer, when you say you go to church, when you say you're a Christian, guess what? People are watching you whether you realize it or not. And, and they're making decisions based upon what they see in your life. And, and what, would happen if, what would happen if we just, we just made a, a, a commitment or a challenge or we accepted a challenge and said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to live my life so attractive that it make people look into my life and say, I, I just want what you have. And you have joy, you have peace, you're a person, you're ethical, you won't break your ethics to cut a deal. You're a person of integrity, and there's just something different about you. See, 2 Corinthians 8.21 says this, says, for we aim at what is honorable, not only, listen, not only in the Lord's side, but also in the side of those we work with, those we go to school with, those we live in a neighborhood with, those in our family. What if we decided to live a life that says, I'm going to make a commitment. I'm going to make 2014 my best year spiritually. And I'm not going to be enslaved or dominated by the flesh. I'm not going to be in bondage to anything. Because listen, let, let me tell you, when we're dominated by the flesh, it dishonors God. Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. See, this building in of itself is not holy. You get that, right? I mean, in the Old Testament, God dwelt in buildings. Not in the New Testament. In the New Testament, God dwells in people. In the power of corporate worship that we've experienced in three services, uh, Saturday night and two this morning, that we'll experience at the 1230 service. 
The power of corporate worship is when people get that and people understand that. And they understand that we steward, we bring the presence of God in this place. God dwells in us. He's, uh, the Holy Spirit dwells in us. We're a temple of the Holy Spirit. And the power of corporate worship is when we get that and we steward that well and we offer him excellent offerings. I mean, there is power in corporate worship. But listen, let me tell you something. This building in of itself is not holy. God dwells as New Testament believers. God dwells in us. And I was explaining this principle to a guy one time, and I was trying to help him understand it. I'm like, you know what? You're a, you're a temple of the Holy Spirit. And he says, you mean I'm like a church? And I go, yeah, you're like a church. He goes, well, then I'm going to have a mega church. <laughs> so you'll get that later. I thought it was funny. That means he's getting large, okay? You know, if you have to explain a joke, it's not a joke. I shouldn't even try to explain it to you. Have you ever noticed when people walk into a church, uh, may not be Christian, they may be going to a funeral, they may be going to a wedding, they may be going to a church to, to, uh, to fix something or to work on something, maybe a contractor. Have you ever noticed this? When people walk into a religious building, they immediately change. They talk more somber. They talk with more respect. They quit cussing. They go, oh, it's God's play, you know, and all that other stuff, right? And you'll hear Christians everywhere, hey, hey, don't say that. This is, don't disrespect the building. You know don't disrespect the building. Listen, God doesn't dwell here. And so they start, they, they change when they walk into religious buildings. Let me ask you this. What if we got it? What if we understand, understood that I'm the temple of the Holy Spirit, God dwells in me. Because of that, I'm going to treat my body with greater respect. Because of that, I'm going to treat my life and my body with greater respect, because it's where God dwells. What if we moved in 2014 to a whole nother level of fitness? Not about gyms, not about eating. Uh, all of those things are good. What if we moved to a whole nother level of fitness, to where we saw our bodies in a new way spiritually, and we understood that the spiritual is connected to the physical? That the spiritual is connected to the habit. And that will give you power. I'm telling you. In your life. When, when you truly understand that there's a spiritual connection. And there's a connection between the spiritual and the, and, and, and the physical. When you see your body in a different way. You will use it for the master's use. 2 Timothy 2.20 puts it this way. Now in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also wood and clay. Some for honorable use, some for dishonorable use. Listen, maybe your house is like our house, but we have paper plates and we have fine china, right? And one we throw away. Dishonorable use. There's another set of dishes that we wouldn't even put in the dishwasher, or shouldn't. <laughs> uh, <laughs> We wouldn't even keep them, those, that fine china. 
we would keep it in a special place in a special area because we don't want it to get chipped. We want it to get, to get damaged. There's some that we wash carefully, some that we throw away, some to honor and some to dishonor. What if we understood this verse? And let me tell you something. When you understand, your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. You may not click on what you click on on the internet if you understood my body is where God dwells. You may not go where you go. You may not say the things that you say. You might not do the things that you do when you get it and you understand that my body is where God dwells. I am a temple of the Holy Spirit. I'm telling you, there is a connection. You just can't get away from it. There is a connection between the spiritual and the physical. 1 Timothy 4.8, For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is, is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and the life to come. I'm telling you what, you put this principle to use, you put this principle to test this year, you will be useful for the master's use. Closing, Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Paul says this. He says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies... There is a connection between the, the spiritual and the physical. You cannot do God's will without your body. There is a connection. As living sacrifices, holy and acceptable God, which is your spiritual act of worship, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. In other words, change your thinking. Understand new nature, old nature. Understand that it starts with a spiritual change. That by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect to Him. Just a few questions. Are you presenting your body as a living sacrifice daily? In other words, this. Are you spending time daily in the Word? Are you spending time daily in Scripture? Because, see, we come to the Word, we come to Scripture to meet with Jesus and to know God in a different way, in a deeper way. I mean, Saturday I was life journaling, Luke chapter 11, 30, uh, verse 35, like rocked my world. It's not going to come up on the side screens, but let me just read it to you. Make sure the light you think you have is not actually darkness. Danger, you can become so accustomed to the dark that you think it's light. Make sure. The light that you think you have? Tell you there's a spiritual connection. I mean, is there a priority of setting your body aside, a living sacrifice for him daily? You spend time with him in his word, and, and, and through your prayer, you tell him some things. Like, God, today, I set my body aside for you. All of my appointments, all of my schedules, going to a hamburger place, meeting with people, whatever it is, just to live for you. Is there a priority of worship in your life? I mean, corporately and privately. I mean, in other words, are you honoring the principle of the Sabbath? Is, is there a principle of, 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 of worship and priority of that? Listen, it can hurt you physically when you break this principle of the Sabbath and of rest because the spiritual is connected to the physical. 
I mean, do you take a day? I mean, do you, do you live your life in such a way? Not based upon emotion, not based upon uh, the flesh, but the spirit. Do you wake up on a Saturday or Sunday morning and flip a coin to decide whether you're going to go to church tonight or not? Or is something a decision that's all, just a priority in your life? Do you break this principle of rest? It will affect you spiritually. Some of you this morning, you're way too busy. And some of you need to set aside a day to remove social media and Twitter and texting and all that other stuff, email, and just pull away and be with him and worship and family and friends. Some of you, it's hard for you to go through a worship service without texting or, 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 or posting or anything like that. I like Pop-Tarts. I like Pop-Tarts a lot. And, and so I put some Pop-Tarts in a toaster. And I punched the button, and I'm waiting, you know, for them to, to get ready. And I had a few minutes, and I, and I look at the box, and I didn't know this about Pop-Tarts. Do you realize you can either toast your Pop-Tarts, or you can microwave them for 30 seconds? Now listen, if you are too busy to toast your Pop-Tarts, you're way too busy. <laughs> I'm just telling you, if, if all you got time is to throw them in the microwave for 30 seconds, or unwrap them and eat them on the way to work. And I'm just telling you, your rhythm of life is way out of order. Last question, you're living in his will. But be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is, what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Physical health, and Pastor Chad talked about this in worship. Physical health is always better. When you know why you were created, when you know your purpose, when you know what God wants you to do. And the spiritual is always connected to the physical because guess what? You need your body to pull it off. There are some people, even believers, that don't even know why they're here. That's why they live life out of emotion and out of the flesh. Listen, let me just tell you, the longer you sit in church without serving and finding your place of ministry, the harder it will be for you to ever do that. You've just grown accustomed to it. The question is, do you honor him fully in your, in your life? I'm telling you, there, there's a time in my life, and, and I remember what it's like to be lost, and I remember what it's like to be without him. I remember what it's like to be enslaved to some things, to be in bondage to some things. And I still remember the day when I realized that God sent his son, Jesus Christ, holy and perfect. And he paid for my sin that I could not pay. He purchased me with his blood. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is passed away. Behold, a new life has come. I want to live every day of my life honoring him.
and bring glory to him.